Howdy folks, and welcome to the Texas A&M RUF podcast. RUF stands for Reformed University Fellowship, and what we are is a campus ministry for the convinced and unconvinced believers and non-believers. We put a lot of emphasis on being community and people-oriented and promoting a welcoming atmosphere of inclusivity and comfort. What this podcast is, is a collection of our large group sermons given by our campus minister, Austin McCann. Now, without further ado, we really hope that you enjoy this talk. Austin is going to be preaching from John 1, 1 through 18. So, find your bulletin or a on screen. John 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the opportunity that always to come together on Wednesday night and get to worship you and learn more about you through your word. Lord, thank you for your never-ending love and grace to us. Um, I pray that you will speak through Austin tonight in his preaching, um, and that you will just bless our time here tonight at our rough. And I pray all this in your name. Okay, thank you, Mercy. Y'all, howdy. Um, I realize you're not supposed to leave with y'all. I think it's just howdy. Um, look, it's a joy to be with y'all, really. Uh, Jack, thanks for doing that. I, that was a lot, okay? It was a lot of information, but thanks for hanging in there and, uh, and being uh, sensitive with all of our announcements. Look, we really, we really want this to be a place, RUF, okay? Like, no matter if this is like your first time to walk through off this chapel in RUF or your 50th, 50th time, like we're so glad you're here. Because we hope RUF is a place that every Wednesday that whether you're convinced or unconvinced, as Jack said, you can come like with with questions, whether you like you love what your week looked like, or whether you like have a lot of doubts and you're like really upset at what your week looked like. We want this to be a safe place where you can come and be a part. Where we can actually explore the true claims of the Bible together. Um, so as I start, look, big thanks to Brian Sorgenfry, uh, Kevin DeYoung, Tim Keller, 
theological giants who have gone before me in studying this passage. And as we step into our passage tonight in John 1, 1 through 18, like I want you to consider with me an infamous crime. Okay? Because on March 13, 1964, Kitty Genovese was tragically murdered outside of her apartment in New York. And this crime actually became infamous. Some of you may have done case studies on this if you're doing psychology. Because two weeks after the murder, the New York Times published an article claiming that 30, 38 witnesses actually saw and heard the attack. But no one, like no one did anything about it. No one called the police. No one went to help. And so like, what, what would have probably been like just a theft actually turned into a murder. And so when the police actually started like reviewing the incident and interviewing people, trying to figure out what exactly happened, like no one, why no one did, did anything, they actually found two things. One, most people assumed that someone else would, would actually do something about it. And secondly, like honestly, but sadly, many of them just admitted that they didn't want to get involved. Like, think about that. Like, people heard a cry of help, but just didn't want to get involved. And look, obviously, that's like an extreme example. But, and I hope everyone here would respond to it. But listen to the core of that expression, okay? Like, don't you kind of get it? That, like, getting involved with people, it's going to be costly. And how have you been doing that this week? Like, especially for your freshman year. Like, you've been to fish camp, you've been to Impact Ministry Fair, you've been to Howie Meet, MSC, Open House, Rush, like, leadership organizations. Like, all these organizations, like, shamelessly throwing themselves at you. Like, including RUF, okay? Like, like, come on, like, be with us. Like, get involved with us. And the question you're asking yourself is this. Okay, but, like, is it worth it? Like, what is it going to cost me? How much of my time, how much of my emotional energy is this going to take? Like, is my involvement in this going to be worth it? And look, if we were honest tonight, like, the reverse is also true. Because deep down, you stepped on campus this fall just hoping. Like, hoping that someone or like some group of friends or some organization would look at you and say you're worth it. Like it's worth it to be involved with you. It's worth and it's worth it for you to be involved with us. Like we all put our best foot forward, hoping that someone will receive me. And maybe, just maybe, they won't discover how costly it is to be my friend. And as we begin our study in the Gospel of John tonight, like this gospel is written by one of Jesus' best friends and disciples. And John tells us that the reason for writing this, in chapter 20, verse 31, he says this, But this was written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. This is the very heartbeat of our series this fall. That John wants you to know, and I know, that Jesus, this person he walked with, this person he touched, he listened to, that Jesus is God. And he is the person who has heard your cry. And instead of turning a blind eye and leaving you to die, he wants to be involved with you. He wants to bring you life. And he will do it at a great cost to himself. So I want you to consider three brief things that characterize Jesus himself, the bringer of life, in the passage this evening, okay? So first, Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully human. And our response to Jesus, the God-man. Okay, so Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully human, and our response to Jesus, the God. All right, so first, 
Jesus is fully God, the one who intervenes and rescues, in verses 1 through 4. John opens his gospel in the same way that the entire Bible opens. opens. Like, if you were to flip back all the way to Genesis, if you've never read the Bible before, that's okay. If you were to flip back all the way to the book of Genesis, the opening lines are in the beginning. And John's purpose of repeating this phrase is reaching way back and asking you to consider this question. What existed before anything was ever created? What existed before Genesis 1-1? And John says before there was anything else, there was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, if you're familiar with Genesis, you may know, like, you may remember that God makes everything by speaking words. God says, let there be light, and there's light. And God creates by his powerful word. And here John says that that word, the one by, by which all things were, were made, is actually a person. Who is both distinct from God, but is also God. And you're starting to hear, hear like you're starting here to see the glimmers of what John will further unpack. That there is one God in three persons. That God is a trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But John's point here is that he wants us to know that the one who will interact with you throughout, that we will interact with throughout this gospel, this Jesus of Nazareth is God himself. He is the Word, the second person of the trinity. Now, like, maybe that's not new information to you tonight. Maybe it is. But I want you to consider, like, why, I want you to consider two ways that that claim matters. First, like, like, think about the insane number of people that you've met in the past week. <laughs> like, it usually, like, what is happening in these meetings, whether it's your dorms or, like, you're going out to eat or, I don't know, like, you're in class. Like, well, well pretty much like, every conversation starts the same way. Probably did tonight when you walked through all this. Like, hey, what's your name? My name's Austin. Like, where are you from? I'm from Memphis. Like, where did you go to high school? What's your major? And, like, what's happening in that conversation? You are articulating like who you are with words so that someone knows you, right? Like there are things people would never know about you unless you spoke it and said it. Your words are an expression of you. They're actually a re revelation of who you are. And when we're told that Jesus is the word of God, don't you see what this means? Like it means Jesus is the revelation of God. It's he's the self-expression of who God is. Hence verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the only God who is at the Father's side, that's the word, Jesus, He has made Him, He has made God known. And look, like, there are going to be all kinds of notions of, of like, who, what God is like put before you in college, whether it's from your professors, like, whether it's from your own past circumstances, like, whether it's from your own thoughts or feelings. And John is saying, like, whatever your assumptions about God, whatever your notions about what God is like is put before you, He's saying, look, look at Jesus. Like, God is like Jesus. Jesus himself says in John 14, 9, which we'll get to, is whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And that brings us to the second way that, that, that Jesus being God matters. Like, the one who's heard your cry, who is infinite and eternal God, he knows you better than you know yourself. Think about that. Because he's the one who designed you and created you. Like, Yes, he knows that you think you are a nine or a three on the Enneagram, okay? Like, like, why? Because he designed you. And look, like, this comes back to something that will come up again tonight, and that will come up again all throughout our time in RUL. Like, whether you've come to admit it or not tonight, and 
I'm telling you, like, college tends to finally make you admit this if you haven't yet. But we are really, really messed up people. <laughs> like all of us. Your campus ministry included. And because of that, we are in need of healing. Well, who or what can really heal our brokenness? The one who made you. The one who designed you. Y'all, like, it, it finally happened. Okay? The, the McCann family became a van family. Alright? Like, I never thought this was Like, we're officially owners of a Honda Odyssey. I can't believe I'm saying those words. Um, but, yeah, my wife's back there. My wife, Alice, by the way, she's amazing. Um, like, I didn't know how they would come, but the other day, like, a rock came up while my wife was driving and hit, hit the windshield of our car after three days of running it. And we brought it back to the Honda dealership because Honda designed it. They know how that stuff works. Like, with, with, with me, it's hopeless. But, like, they know how to fix it. See, the one who's decided to get involved is the very one who designed you and knows what's wrong with you and me and therefore knows what healing looks like. And that creates a question, doesn't it? That if Jesus is God and he knows how broken I am, how does he bring healing? How does he get involved? Jesus becomes fully human in verses 14 and 18. You see, John spends 13 verses, 1 through 13, unpacking the fact that Jesus is God himself to make you feel the weight of this statement. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt, it literally means to tabernacle, to pitch a tent. And what John is doing, he's drawing back again to the Old Testament picture of how God would dwell with his people. But see, how does God get involved in the person of Jesus? The eternal, infinite God he takes on flesh 2,000 years ago and becomes a baby. A baby with the full human DNA of a Jewish boy. Like the God who upholds the world will make himself vulnerable to pain. The one who created food makes himself dependent upon food. God hears our cry and he comes into the very world he created. The one that we broke him to live among us. Why? Look, like, I think every streaming service has almost like made commercials a lost art. Okay, I don't know what streaming service you're on right now. You're probably barring your parents, like, which is what I did in college as well. Um, but like, but still, okay, like still, like beer companies make the best commercials, and that's not up for debate. Okay, like Guinness Beer did a commercial back in 2013 around uh, it was around Christmas time, and you may have seen it, may not, but there's a scene of a basketball. Okay? But it's wheelchair basketball. And everyone's sweating, like pushing and dribbling and playing defense. And you kind of begin to feel like how exhausted they're getting. And it's like difficult to play basketball in wheelchairs. They're like rolling around and hitting each other. But you can also tell like everyone is having a blast. And then at the very end of the commercial, the game is over. And all of a sudden, like nine out of the ten guys stand up out of their wheelchair and walk off the court next to the one guy who remained in his wheelchair. And then you hear someone say, dedication, loyalty, friendship. The choices we make reveal the true nature of our character. And then you like start crying. And like, <laughs> and then you realize I'm crying at a Guinness beer commercial like alone on a Saturday night. Like what, like, what am I doing with my life? Like, like, like but what gets you about that? You see, like a, a group of people make a choice. They limit themselves to a wheelchair 
They get on their friend's level. They make their life harder so that they can be with them, so they can actually know a little bit about what he's experiencing. And that choice expresses the character of his friends. Well, what does the incarnation, God becoming a man, not just on a basketball, like in a basketball game, but for 33 years, actually Jesus is still united to that body today. Like, what does God becoming a man show you about the character of God and how he is going to heal and restore? It's that he is loving. That he's a relational being at his core. That he will heal by and through a loving relationship with you. He's a personal absolute. Like, think about it. If all you, maybe some of you grew up this way, I don't know. Like, if, if all you know of God is that he is only wrath. And look, he does have a holy hatred for sin. That's true. If all you know of God is that he is wrath, like, how would you expect to God to come into this world? Like, probably with fire and judgment and to wipe us off the face of the earth? Like, if all you knew about God is that he was only knowledge, like, how do you expect him to come into this world? He'd probably just show up and start shouting advice at you. Like, if all you knew about God is he's only righteousness, then probably the way you would expect him to get involved is by dropping down a list of commands, a list of rules that are really hard to keep, and just say, just keep trying harder. Like, just get more disciplined, and then you can get to God. And it is true that he is all of these things. But the way God satisfies and deals with his divine wrath, the way that he expresses his perfect knowledge, the way he fulfills his perfect righteousness is through the sending of, of his own son in human flesh. Jesus comes to us as a baby, as a human, which means that he is loving and he is merciful and he is humble and he is kind. And he's committed to you so much so that the way he will heal and restore you is by identifying with him, identifying with his people. And like, I think deep down, like, whether you're skeptical of the, like, the truth of Christianity or not, like, I think deep down, like, you, you, you somewhat know this because of, you, of your yearning for relationships. Like, you know that's true. Like, it's why when she finally agrees to go out with you, like, it, it feels like life, doesn't it? Like, all your roommates are making fun of you because you really get it. But it doesn't matter because it feels like life. Like, Jesus is assuming human flesh shows, like, shows us that he has heard our cry, that he's come for us, that he wants to be with us. So we see the one who made the world is the word Jesus, God himself. And he heard our cry and got involved by becoming human. And so how, how should we respond? Lastly, let's go to our response to Jesus in chapter 1, verses 9-13. Look at what John says. Jesus, the light, comes into the world, the very world that he has made through him. And how did humanity respond to this unbelievable act of love by the Lord of this universe, this becoming human? We loved it, right? Like, we were so appreciative and drawn to Jesus. No. John tells us that the world didn't know him, that his own people didn't even receive him. And that's a very brief and maybe we can say gentle way to describe what we will see in the rest of our series in John. That Jesus will constantly be rejected, misunderstood, mocked, spit upon, eventually beaten, stripped, naked, and tortured, and left to die on the cross, and worst of all, receive the divine wrath of God on our behalf. Like, I want you to consider that truth. Because if you're like me, like, there have been times when you, 
you kind of look around and think like, okay, like, if the God of the Bible is real, like, I mean, like, why don't more people worship him? You know, like, and this is an age-old problem, like, like, come on, like, why don't you make yourself more obvious, God? If God wants to be known, why doesn't he just do so? And don't you see what John is saying? Like, when God, the Word, Jesus makes his most personal and intimate visit to his creature, creation and creatures, when God shows up and reveals himself in the most mind-boggling, loving way, the creatures crucify their creator. We kill them. And perhaps the problem is not Jesus. Like, perhaps the problem is us. Like, we don't like Jesus. We don't want him to be true. We don't want him to be the real God. He showed up and we killed him. And God coming to the flesh reveals just how wicked our hearts really are. But look at verse 16. From his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. Don't you see it? Like, yes, if you keep coming to RUF, like, Jesus being involved with you means that you will see you are more wicked and more selfish than you, than you ever thought. Yes, even, if you're at, even when you're after a Christian. But you will also see that there is grace upon grace in Jesus. The one, the one who heard your cry, his character is to give you what you don't deserve. That's grace. His forgiveness, himself, his life. I, I don't know if you appreciate like good mysteries. Um, there's a famous author named Dorothy Sayers who wrote a series of detective novels in the 1930s. And throughout the series, she focuses on a fictional character that she created named Lord Peter Lindsay. And Lindsay is this smart, aristocratic, daring character who solved all kinds of crimes. But, but as the novels begin to progress, you begin to see how much of a complete mess he is. He's actually depressed and has a broken soul. Until about halfway through the series, a woman shows up in Sayers' novels. Dorothy Sayers' new character is named Harriet Vane, and she's portrayed as a female mystery writer and one of the very first women to graduate from Oxford. And when Harriet Vane shows up, her and Lord Peter end up falling in love, and Harriet's love actually begins to heal Lord Peter's broken soul. But what's interesting is that like Harriet Vane, Dorothy Sayers was also a female mystery writer. And like Harriet Vane, Dorothy Sayers was also one of the first women to graduate from Oxford. And the truth is that Dorothy Sayers, the author, looked at her character, Lord Peter Lindsay, and she saw that he needed help and that someone had to heal him. So she decided to write herself in her own stories as Harriet Vane. She looked into the world that she had created and she fell in love with the chief character, Peter Lindsay. And she wrote herself into that story so that she could heal her. Remember what we said. The question of involvement is how much will it cost you? Like, how much is it worth? At the cross, you see exactly what God is like. You see just how willing he is to be involved with you. The word and the author of life, John is saying, has written himself into your story and has called you his beloved. Jesus says, give me your sin. I will take the punishment so that you can have my righteousness. That's how Jesus, the God-man, brings life. He brings life by losing his own for you and for me. 
You see, the way we earn this life is not by our own doing. But according to John, it's what? It's receiving. Like when you come to a large group, we want you to receive what Jesus has already done for you. Receive his involvement. The one who's declared it is finished. This is what RUF hopes to be for this campus. A community of people that is for you, that tries to care for you, that tries to say it's not your own doing for us that will make us care for you. Why? Because what RUF every week will hold out for you is the fact that life is a person and his name is Jesus. And he has heard your cry and he has chosen to be involved in your life at an infinite cost to himself so that he can be with you, so that he can heal you, and so that he can bring life to you. Now, if that's true, like, wouldn't it be worth your time to come back? That's an invitation. Let's pray. Father, we praise you uh, for sending your son Jesus to be involved in our lives and in infinite costumes. Lord, I pray that as we encounter Jesus again and again and again throughout our series in John, that you would transform all of our hearts to the grace and the power of your Holy Spirit. That we may believe and have life in his name. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Texas A&M RUF podcast. If you're interested in joining us for a large group, we would love to see you at All Faiths Chapel on the north side of campus across from Sabisa at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go ahead and follow at AggieRUF on Instagram for updates about any other events we're putting on. We hope to see you around. Thanks and gig'em.